Good morning, village. Let's, let's find our seats. I'm Pastor Ron, one of the pastors here, and just look forward to digging into God's Word this morning as we continue our series on deep idols. If you remember, we've, we've been talking about idols, and our simple definition was any God substitute. It's anything that takes the place of God as ultimate in our lives, in our worship, in our love, and in our trust. Tim Keller wrote this, and it's just a different definition, but I, I like each week reading a different definition of idols. Anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. And that part of the definition this morning is going to be very pertinent to the deep idol that we're talking about, the deep idol of approval. It's when we seek something else to give us what only God can give. At the top of your notes, I put the chart we talked about last week and just trying to categorize the deep idols, understand them. And, and we have two different types of, of idols, those that are perverted dominion or perverted power and, and the God-given command to have dominion over creation. And then the other two are more when we find joy and satisfaction in something other than God. And we, we are worshiping self so much that we have to have those things and we grasp at those things from everyone around us. And then each of those we'll look at in the context of our relationships with others and then our, our, our handling of stuff. And so today we'll be looking at the deep idol of approval, which has to do with how we interact with others, but specifically how do we find joy and satisfaction in life? Do we demand it from others that others have to provide that for us and that's your responsibility to make me happy? Or do we seek God for that? And the deep idol of approval seeks that in other people. And that becomes this ever-increasing circle of needing it more and more from other people because people can't provide it to to the amount that we need it, that we've been created to have. And so then we grasp and cling more and we, we look to other people in other situations for approval and for that kind of satisfaction. This is something that we all struggle with. And again, I, I've said this each week, but um, each of these, if, we, if we're honest in our hearts, we each have areas where we can work on these. We all struggle with the need for approval at times. And, and, and so to this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal that and will come with an open heart And will come saying, God, reveal to me where I've held on to an idol and look to something more than you to satisfy me. Because then, as we deal with that, we can deepen our walk with God. Back 30 years ago, Sally Fields at an awards ceremony, she's accepting her reward, and she says this, You like me. Right now, you like me. And, and it became this viral thing. Back then we didn't have YouTube or TikTok or anything like that. But it became viral just in the news media. And, and I, I just was, was watching clips since then, since she said, you like me. And there is at least 30 different times that celebrities have said the same thing. Just tweaked it a little bit. Now they say, you like me. You really like me with this big smile on their face because that is what they are seeking in life. And that is their deep idol, this idol of approval. And so over and over, we live in a culture that seeks approval, seeks people to like us, seeks that affirmation. And when we, when we post something on social media, anyone here ever watch the likes that come in? 
And, you know, we have a certain level that if we only got two, then we're just, we're depressed that day. But if we got a hundred likes or something like that, we are successful. We are good because we now feel like we're worth something. And then tomorrow we do it all over again because it's fleeting and it doesn't last. And so we want to dig into this and, and identify this idol, look at it in Scripture, and then talk about how to, to replace it. Because again, we don't get rid of idols, we replace idols. And so the deep idol of approval is an over-desire to please, be accepted, affirmed, desired, or loved. Lots of different words there, and, and they each have sort of a different aspect of this idol of approval. An over-desire to please... That means to please people, to make people happy, usually with the idea of they're going to give me something back, some sort of affirmation. They will like me. They will love me if I blank. And so I seek to please people to buy their their like and their love. An over-desire to please, to be accepted. If I'm only part of this group, then my life will be good. Then I will be happy. Then I will have no more problems. To be affirmed. Because it's, it's this desire, this craving that I have to know people like what I'm doing. Because then I feel worth. Then I feel successful. You know, I think of this one, and, and I think this is true of all of us. You can get, you can do a job, you can do a project, you can do, you know, do a report at work or complete something at work, and you get ten people that praise you, and then you get one person that just tears you to shreds over it. Which one do you go home and remember? The one, right? We all do it. That is us dealing with the deep idol of approval. And, and are, are we relying on those affirmations? Or usually you, you find it in the inverse. Do we get so down because of the criticism? So down because people have, have, have come down on us for something or said something negative about us. And that's when we know we need to go to our knees again and go to the Holy Spirit. And say, God, I'm struggling with the idol of approval. And so it's an over-desire to please, to be accepted, affirmed, desired, or loved. Now, here's what's interesting about this one. And this is true of all of them, but I think particularly true of approval. This is tricky to understand because we were created to live in community. And we were created to love. And so like we've said before, idols often take a good thing and it only becomes a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. That is so true of approval because we were created to love. Is it good to encourage one another? Absolutely. Does Scripture command us to encourage one another? Absolutely. So there there is an element where God has created community. He has created this idea of encouraging each other as a way to give us his joy, as a way for, for us to connect with each other. So we're created to, to, to want to belong. And that desire to belong, that desire to be loved, those are good things when held in the right priority. Those are the things that drive us together. If there was no desire to, to belong, if there was no desire to be loved, we wouldn't be here as a church family because we wouldn't need people. I'd be in a cabin up in the Sierras by myself, fishing with my family. Um, <laughs> fishing because if I didn't have this desire to be in community and to relate with people, nothing would draw us. 
And so God planted this desire, a healthy and natural desire for approval. He planted it with us to ultimately drive us to him and relationship with him for approval. It is a good thing to say, I want to please God. And that should be a motivating thing. That should be a main thing in our lives. So what's the problem with this one? The problem is when we get, we get it all out of whack and when it becomes way too important. The problem is when we put our desire to be liked or loved from people above our desire to be liked or loved by God or to be in relationship with God. The problem is valuing man's approval more than God's approval. When we come away from something where we've done our best and we think, okay, I did my best before God, and then that criticism comes, why does that criticism carry more weight than how we felt five minutes ago before God? And it's because we're out of whack in in, in, in valuing man's approval more than God's approval. One author wrote, in valuing man's approval more than God's, we demonstrate where our true loyalties lie. Ouch. Ouch. Because we do. We, we demonstrate what we value more, which is why I think this is such a hideous deep idol. It's taking something that God meant to be a blessing with his family and with his people, and it's perverting it to become an ultimate thing that can never satisfy. See, we are never ultimately satisfied with the love of someone else or with other people liking us because we are finite fallen creatures that can't provide that the way God can. But when we're seeking it from other people, this is where it gets, gets, gets just hideous. When we're seeking it from other people, we're never satisfied with it from God. Because for us to be satisfied with God's approval, that has to be our ultimate goal. If your approval is my ultimate goal, it doesn't matter to me what God thinks and I'm in an endless cycle of despair, I'm in an endless cycle of depression, of frustration that will lead to anger because now I'm looking to other people for their acceptance, for their approval, for my worth. And that comes out in so many different ways. And so we know we're struggling with this idol when we fail to obey when prompted, when we fail to speak the truth when prompted, when we fail to reach the marginalized with, when prompted, because we are afraid of what other people might think. Now again, we all struggle with this. So let's look at ourselves and say, okay, what area do we struggle with it? It'll be different for each of us, but how do we put people's approval above God's approval? And, 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 The other aspect, when we do this, when we put that weight on each other, now when someone lets us down or when that's threatened, we cling to it all the more and we get defensive and it just wrecks relationships. And so when we're struggling with the idol of approval, we may be in our mind saying, life only has meaning or I only have worth if I'm loved and respected by blank and fill in the blank. Life only has meaning, I only have worth if I have a particular kind of look, if I have a a particular kind of body image, if I do a particular set of things. And so we find that we are seeking our worth and our feeling that we are somebody from other people. Village, God would never do that to you. 
he would never place the key to your joy and satisfaction in him in another person's hands. He wouldn't. He has offered a solution where he can provide that. He can provide that, that sense of identity, that sense of worth that makes us somebody. So we don't have to have the right things or do the right things. We don't have to look the right way. We don't have to have the right image. Now, I, I'm cool with taking showers, doing our hair before we come, and at least looking decent. But it's when we, when we foist the ultimate on that, that that becomes what we are seeking for identity, it will never work. Then instead of how can I serve others, instead of how can I please God, now I'm asking questions like, do they accept me? Do they trust me? Do they believe in me? Am I good enough for them? How can I make them feel good or happy? Do they respect me? Do they value me? That is an awful way to live. Awful way to live. See, worldly approval seeks to gain affection. Or avoid resentment. Often it's, it's as much about avoiding criticism and resentment, but seeks to gain affection or avoid resentment at the expense of my identity in Christ. Because we just don't see it as beneficial to our identity. So that's sort of a summary. What is the idol of approval? I want to jump in and consider Paul this morning. Last week we considered Nebuchadnezzar. This week I want to consider Paul and, and look at some of the things that he says about this idol. So we're going to jump around a little bit more this, this morning to a number of Paul's letters and then bring in some of the Gospels. But start by turning to Galatians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 10. Galatians 1, 10. And I want to read that and then we'll jump to 1 Thessalonians. But I want to read that and see what Paul has to say about this because Paul actually talks about approval a lot. And what we're going to see in this verse right from the start is it really looks like the deep idol of approval is one that Paul struggled with before he was saved. Probably after he was saved too, but he says that this is what he lived for. Listen to this. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the setting here is to the church at Galatia, there are false teachers that are twisting the gospel. Um, and, and in fact, they would sometimes take out parts of the gospel or change it to make it more popular for the approval of man. That's what teachers did. And the reason is teachers got their salary from how well people liked their teaching. And so it was financially beneficial to teach the things people liked, right? And if you got their approval, you got more salary. And so that was the tone of the day, and it looks like some of the false teachers were accusing Paul of the same thing. You're just pleasing men with what you're saying, and, and, and you're just out for the money. And so Paul is defending himself here, and he says, for, I am, now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? And it was interesting, because as I was studying it, some of the commentators say that the wording for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, it implied that he used to seek the approval of man. And I'm like, okay, I can see that, but okay, that's a little bit of a stretch. And then, then they said, so read further. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the wording there, if I were still doing this, that doesn't just imply it. He is saying, this is what I used to live for. I used to live for the approval of men. 
And if you think of Paul's background, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Why was he driven so much? For the approval that that would bring. He would go around killing and persecuting Christians. And it looks as if he was doing that for the approval, for religious approval, for the, re- the approval of religious authorities. And so Paul here, as someone that struggles with this idol, is worth listening to. Fair enough? He's worth, and it's the inspired word of God through the Holy Spirit. But he knows what he's talking about. And so what he says here is, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, and he's putting a a comparison here, if I'm trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And his point is, you do one or the other. And this is why this idol is so important to recognize. If we are bowing to the idol of approval, if we are putting the weight of that acceptance and that approval on other people, and if we're devastated when we don't get it, we cannot serve God And we do not find our approval in God. It's one or the other. It's just like when Jesus was talking about love of money. He says you can't serve two masters. We cannot serve two masters. And Paul says that. And so point number one as we consider the example of Paul. The idol of approval gets in the way of serving God. And catch this. And experiencing his approval. The idol of approval gets in the way of serving God and experiencing his approval. We can't please man and please God. We can't live for doing that at the same time. We can do that if we get our priorities right, but we can't make both of those our main thing. The two are incompatible. A servant will only have one master. And our master is what we seek approval from. And so if I'm living for the approval of my friends, if I'm living for the approval of my spouse, if I'm living for the approval of my boss, they're my master. Say what you will. If that's what I'm living for, that's what I'm serving, and they're my master. And the idol of approval lets others master over you. It is giving the keys to your joy in Christ, the keys to your satisfaction in Christ to another person. Saying, hey, do with it what you will. Hope you do it well. We must find that in Christ. We cannot serve two masters. And so the idol of approval not only keeps us from serving God, because now it's not even top of mind. It's how can I get approval from others? But it keeps us from experiencing the genuine, fulfilling approval from God. You know, Peter understood this. Uh, about keeping us from serving God and not serving two masters when he said in Acts 5.29, a verse that we've talked about a lot this last year and a half, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And that's a statement of who they were serving and ultimately who their approval would come from. Who were they trying to please? So turn to 1 Thessalonians 2. So that, that's the Galatians passage. I want to turn to the 1 Thessalonians 2 one. And see, again, Paul's going to talk about the same thing in a little more detail. 1 Thessalonians 2, and we'll be looking at verses 4 through 8. 4 through 8. And he starts this way. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests the heart. 
right? And I know we went through First Thessalonians recently, but man, there's a lot in just this verse. Paul is saying we've been approved by God. So he already has given us the acceptance. He already has given us his stamp of approval to be entrusted with the gospel. So he doesn't just like us, but he's entrusting us with the most important message this world could ever have. You know, it's one thing to say, I trust you. It's another thing to give you a million dollars and say, I trust you with my million dollars. Which which shows more trust? Which shows more acceptance? Well, here God approves us, but then he entrusts us with the gospel. So we speak. Not to please men, but to please God who tests the heart. Point number two out of these verses, and we'll read the rest in a moment. When pleasing man is primary, it's hard to share the gospel. When pleasing man is primary, it's hard to share the gospel. And maybe we think of this as just a sub-point of, of what being under the idol of approval has. But my argument is this is the main point. Because this is what God has, has, has entrusted us to do. And if something is getting in the way of the gospel, that's a problem, Right? And so as we talk about the idol of approval, this isn't just about how can I feel better about myself and not rely on others for approval. This is about how can I be a a better steward of the gospel? How can more people come into the kingdom? When pleasing man is primary, it's hard to share the gospel. See, when when we're people pleasers rather than God pleasers, we're more concerned about what they think than what they need. And the gospel is not the most favorable message to someone that's living in sin and living for the world. In fact, it's sort of annoying. It's hard to be told, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. And because we've sinned against an infinite God, He has every right to judge us. And in fact, the, the judgment, the wages, the rightful result of our sin is death, separation from God, eternity in hell. That's not your opening line if you're trying to please people. But that might be your statement if you love people and want to please God. Because then you can go on to the good news that says, I know that's bad news. I know we're sinners and the judgment for that sin is bad news. But God loved us so much. He loved us so much that he gave his son and his son came and lived a perfect life and then died a death. We should have died in our place, taking that penalty on himself. And then rose again the third day, conquering death and sin so we know we have life in Him? Oh, that's good news. But what I've seen is when we live more for the approval of people, it's really hard to go there. When I live for the approval of people, it's really hard to go there. When I come home and say, man, the the checker at the grocery store was asking about church and I didn't take advantage of the situation... If I'm honest, a lot of times that's because I'm worried about what people think. And it's the love of man more than the love of God. One author said, Our our reluctance to talk about Jesus springs from a desire to gain the approval of others instead of resting in the approval of God our Father. This is what Paul's saying here. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. And that is a, that's three words that says, we're going to share the gospel. Because we've been approved by God, we're going to speak, whether we feel like it or not, whether it's easy or not. He was facing people with rocks in their hands at times. 
He was facing people that wanted to abuse and manipulate and hurt him. And he said, so we speak. Because that is what pleases God. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And it's a heart issue. It's an idolatry issue. And he goes into some of the ways that that approval comes out. For we never came with words of flattery. That's one of the ways that we try to get approval. If we flatter a lot of people, maybe they'll like us more. And, and it works sometimes for a short time. As you know, or, or nor with a pretext for greed, dealing with the money idea, God is witness. And then six, nor did we seek glory from people. Again, this is the idol of approval. And Paul knows this. Nor did we see the glory, seek the glory of people, whether from you or from others. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And so we see there that seeking, seeking God's approval means we speak, we share the gospel. It means we don't resort to flattery. We're not trying to manipulate people into liking us because we don't need to, because the God of the universe that created all things loves us completely and fully, and no human being is going to beat that, even though we keep trying over and over and over. Now, it's interesting at the end of that, verse 8, 7 and 8, he actually talks about pleasing people. Did you catch that? So he talks about, I'm not trying to please people, I'm trying to please God. And then he says, but you know what? We're, we're gentle among you, we care about you, we're affectionately desirous of you, we want that relationship, we're ready to share ourselves with you. And so how does this work out? How is this not a bad pleasing of people or desiring people? But when it's ultimate, it is. And, and that's the key. It's, it's an issue of priority. It's an issue of, of balancing the two and not just taking one to the exclusion of the other. And so point number three there tries to, to sort of flesh this out. However, pleasing people can be good and helpful. Pleasing people has its place, which is not what you expected to hear on the deep idol of approval. But we have, to, we have to dig in and understand this. There's an important balance here, which is why this idol is so, so challenging. See, seeking approval isn't bad if it's done in the right, right priority. We all have a desire for mom and dad's approval. Is that a bad thing? No. That's part of what helps kids obey and learn. That's a good thing. But when that becomes the thing we focus on, when that becomes our primary thing, then it's a bad thing. We all want our boss to like our work. Is that a good thing? One of the ways to answer that is, would I rather my boss not like my work? If I had a choice, I'm going with I want my boss to like Now, when that is my goal and I'm taking some sort of personal satisfaction or identity out of it, that's a problem. But when I say I want my boss to like my work because I'm going to bring glory to God because doing an excellent job builds my testimony and brings glory to God, then it's a good thing. And, and so here's the deal with this balance. When our top priority is pleasing his God and doing his work 
and our horizontal relationships fall under that, then that's a healthy, beautiful thing. When we switch that and we're relying on our horizontal relationships for, to bring us something that only God can provide and God is just secondary, that's an idol. And, and so what Paul is saying here, my primary thing is to please God, share the gospel. Now to do that, I'm going to love you and care for you. And so the, the, the being desirous of the Thessalonians isn't his idol. It's falling under loving God and pleasing God, and this is how he's going to do it. And that changes everything. You know, we like respect. And that's a good thing. In fact, Ephesians 5 says to respect each other. And in a marriage, that, that there should be respect. But when that becomes our ultimate thing, when we grasp at that and demand it, now it's an idol. And, and, and so we have to understand the priorities here that some of these things are healthy if they come under pleasing God rather than above. And, and consider some of these verses. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, right? That, that's pretty encompassing. Whatever you do, please God. Do it for God's glory. Do it for his reputation, for him. The, the, the very next sentence is, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks, <laughs> Greeks, not drinks. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. What? He just said he tries to please everyone in everything he does. Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. So, so, so is Paul violating this here? The next phrase, if you, if you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 10.33, that they may be saved. Context, context, context. The first verse says, I do everything to please God. Now, I'm trying to please everyone in everything I do, that they might be saved, which comes back to pleasing God. His priorities are right. He's not getting an identity in pleasing others, but he's doing that because God has asked him to do that because that's the best way to share the gospel and open doors for the gospel. To be considerate of others. To count others more significant than ourselves. And so his ultimate thing was the gospel, not the approval of man. Even though I've heard that verse sometimes used for we should be all about the approval of man. In a way, when it comes under the gospel, when it comes under pleasing God, yes, but in a way. He says the same things just a, a page earlier in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. What's the ultimate goal here? Winning people to Christ. To do that, the tool he's going to use is to be the servant of all, to try to please people, to try to reach out to people. And this is a familiar passage. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win them. To those under the law, I became one as, uh, as one under the law, that I might win those. To those outside the law, as one outside the law, that I might win those. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And, and so I hope this helps us understand that, that we, we balance this and 
there is an element where we care for people and we count them more important than ourselves. But the problem is, is when that's the main thing. And so, so this can be hard. How do we know the difference? How, how do we know the difference? And we've got to start to, to really ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and ask questions like, am I doing this for God's approval or fear of man's disapproval? What will make me ultimately satisfied? Is it that I'm making them like me? Or is it that they might know the gospel? Now, am I compromising in any way is another, another question to ask. God will never sanction compromise. Never. And if we're compromising to gain friends, if we're compromising to gain the approval of others, that's not from God. It's now an idol. Think about this. A thirst for approval and pleasing people is probably the idol of approval. An absence of any desire to please people is probably the idol of power. So you're sort of left with, okay, where are we at? Seeking God for approval and pleasing Him because we're showing them His love. Point number four, seeking God's approval gives the right perspective on earthly relationships. And this is the Colossians verse is just one example of many, um, but, but I liked it because we haven't talked a lot about work in this, this particular idol. But in Colossians 3, 22 and 23, it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, the idol of approval, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now we know in a work setting, if your whole goal is to get the approval of your boss, you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some really bad days. If that is what you're judging your performance by, if that is what you're judging your success by, is the approval of your boss, oh, you're in for trouble. And so here Paul tells us, the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us, don't do it to please your boss. Don't do it as people pleasers. Do it to please God. Doing the same thing, but for a different reason. Because God will be happy. God will be pleased. God will show approval when we do things for Him and in the right way, in a godly, righteous way. And then it doesn't matter how your boss responds. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. See, all of this, when approval becomes our main thing, it starts to define us. It starts to define our goals. Everything is about what kind of response we get, whether people are happy with us. It controls our motivation. It controls our thoughts. It steers all of these things away from God. Now, just a side note. I think churches have to be particularly worried about this idol. Especially in the day and age we live in, it, especially with the attractional model that is sometimes churches are going after, so many times that's going after the idol of approval. If I just do this, more people will come. If we just preach this way, people will like it more. And if that is the ultimate thing, we, we are watching church after church after church compromise and fall apart. I was reading about several more this week that started to go down this path. And then the compromises compound. And now 
with woke culture and everything happening, there's so many things that churches have to do to keep up with that because it's an idol that, that doesn't keep giving but keeps taking. And churches are in trouble that have gone down this path. It doesn't mean we don't try to meet needs. It doesn't mean we don't try to do things well. But our goal is how can we help people walk closer to God? How can we help people be deeper disciples? That needs to be what we're thinking about. Okay, so breaking this down, the chart on the back of your notes that sort of tries to take a lot of these thoughts and a lot of biblical principles and categorize them for us. And I like charts, so this is sort of fun. The the chart for me is fun, and I I hope it's helpful. Um, But first, I always like to think of, okay, what surface idols might show up out of the deep idol of approval? And and there's there's a number of ones that immediately show their their heads. Um, One is money, and we've talked about this. Money comes out, when we have the deep idol of approval, money comes out by spending extravagantly on people. You gotta do the best gifts. And you've gotta, if you, if you buy the right things, people will like you. And that's a surface idol serving a deep idol and us serving both. One of the areas where we see the, 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 um, the deep idol of approval is that of sexual relationships before marriage and outside of marriage. There are so many times that I watch young people that give themselves away on the idol of approval, hoping that someone will like them. If I just do this, he'll love me. No, ladies, if he's asking you to do that, he's already proven he doesn't love you. And, and, and this surface idol of, of, of sex and giving ourselves before marriage, this is often about the idol of approval. Now, sometimes it's about the idol of comfort. Like we said, all of these can come out in different ways. Oftentimes, when a wife stays with an abusive husband, oftentimes the idol of of approval is part of it because she sometimes feels so trapped that she has to have the love of a man, that she has to have this approval, has to have this relationship. And so if I just put up with it enough, maybe he'll love me. Maybe I'll get that approval. We saw that with Rachel and Leah last week. Back and forth, doing things to try to get their husband to love them. Who would he love more? And so surface idols, there are so many more because so many surface idols can come out of the deep idol of approval. But the first column in your notes is, okay, how does this look? Why is it easy to miss? See, what sometimes the idol of approval presents as is that person is really likable. That person is really friendly, right? And, and now, is being likable and friendly good things? Yeah, yeah, don't go the other way. Let's stick with likable and friendly. But because we're loving others, because we love God. Um, but sometimes when, when our deep idol is approval, those people are very likable and friendly because we want people to like us. And, and so other people tend to see them as warm and friendly and non-aggressive. The price we'll pay if we bow to this idol. We almost always will give up independence. So we'll have less independence because now I'm living at someone else's whim instead of living by what I know to be right. And so often when when we bow to the idol of approval, we live in codependent situations to be accepted by others. We'll sacrifice things to get people to to accept us, to like us. 
another price that we'll pay if this is our idol, if approval's our idol, there's a lot of self-criticism. A lot of, of self-speak, like I am worthless. I, I don't even know what, what I can do. And, and that's coming from this basing our approval in other people when we don't get it. Now we, we have to criticize ourselves. We have to deal with depression. We have to deal with, with problems of identity because those can't be met by anyone else. This person will also often absorb criticism, may easily say they're quick to say they're bad or they're wrong because they're trying to make others happy. So it's very difficult to confront truth for this person. Worst fear of someone that that is struggling with the idol of approval, rejection and embarrassment. Rejection and embarrassment. There is nothing worse than rejection if your whole sense of approval is based on that person. And so this, this, when, when we struggle with approval, we'll avoid conflict. In fact, we'll avoid anything that might lead to rejection. And we start to fear the rejection of people above a biblical fear of God and righteousness and his hatred of sin. And so we'll compromise to not be rejected. What emotions come out of this? What, when we're struggling with approval, what emotions are we dealing with? The two big ones are cowardice and fear. Cowardice and fear. When we live for the approval of man, those things are going to be present. What if I do the wrong thing? I might lose that relationship. What if, what if they won't like what I do? What if people think I'm trying too hard? Is this going to make me, me not like them or make them not like me rather? Will they still love me if they found out I struggle with this? And it's this implosion of fear that is just all over us. And so then there's, there, when we have that kind of fear, there's two, two ways we can go. We can just avoid people altogether or avoid situations where we think there might be rejection altogether. Or we, we put ourselves so strongly on people and, and smother them because we're desiring that that approval and so sometimes out of cowardice and fear we don't say what needs to be said we don't say you're wrong that's wrong don't say that if approval from people is required for me to be happy and content i am set up for frustration and discontentment and paralyzing worry paralyzing worry I already mentioned this one. What do others feel around someone with the idol of approval? They often can feel smothered, weighed down by expectation. Idolaters of approval are needy. And and that need weighs down on people. They constantly need affirmation to feel worthy. They constantly are looking to know that you care about them, to know that you love them. And it gets tiring. See, no human being can carry the weight of of approval in a relationship that we were never meant to carry. This is that that eternity in our hearts where God is the only one can can fulfill this. And no other person can. Your spouse cannot be your source of approval. They will not bear up under that weight for long. Your job cannot be your source of approval. It will have problems. Your children's good behavior or choices cannot be your source of approval. 
That gets into the idol of family. None of those relationships can bear the weight of that. And so hopefully, hopefully I'm impressing on us the need to deal with this one, the importance of this one. But then as we get to how to replace it, we're going to see the beauty of the replacement of this one. Because I think this idol, as, as, well, as much as any of them, twists the beauty of what God has given us in some really hideous ways. Other signs of the idol of approval, I did this last week, and just there, there's some things that don't fit any of the categories on the chart. So that's why we have other. Um, other signs of the idol of approval. Um, this person will often... Um, make them their main thing, meeting other people's needs, which again looks great, but they'll run around meeting everyone's needs. And, and, and that's, again, not a bad thing if it's a servant's heart to serve God. But if it's just to sort of make people like us, it gets sort of sick. The approval worshipers often overcommit, overpromise, and overstate in order to gain affirmation from others. It's true. Because it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no because that might damage the relationship and you might not like me as much if I say no. Sometimes we need to say no. Wanting people to like us is a sign of this, and I mentioned that, and think well of us and really struggling when they don't. And so when, when we see our struggle when this doesn't happen, that's a clear sign this is an idol that we need to give to God. See, people that struggle with approval will gladly lose power They'll gladly lose comfort if it means someone will like them. We already mentioned that um, this idol needs to be fed by positive feedback. And so we provide services to get that positive feedback. Um, It also can disguise itself as a lust for respect. Again, respect is good, but craving it and lusting after it and demanding it is, is a sin. So the idol of approval, that's the bad news. So how do we deal with it? How do we replace this? And we start with, okay, what biblical truth, what gospel truth does this replace? What does it counterfeit? Again, idols are always trying to provide something that only God can provide. In this case, it's God's love. His love, and that includes his acceptance, his approval. But this idol questions God's love, acceptance, and approval. This is the evil one saying, did God really say? Is God really going to do that? Because this questions God's love, acceptance, and approval and says it's not enough. And so to replace this, I start by confessing the the areas of my life that I have an idol of approval in. And hopefully the first part of this message started to reveal some of that. I confess it and I repent of that. And I, I, I seek his forgiveness and then I seek to find joy in his gracious approval. His approval is eternal. And so then to replace it, I need to start reminding myself of some truth. Remind myself of the gospel and the acceptance it absolutely gives. When we acknowledge our sins, when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ, we are accepted and adopted fully into his family. We're not just guests, we're adopted into his family. He gives us his name. 
And that is approval and acceptance beyond anything you can give from anyone else. And I know it's hard because God, we don't see physically with us. And we're like, okay, that's cool that he does that. But is that really approval? We need to read God's word and start to tell ourselves truth. That is, is the best approval we can ever have. John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's why we sang so many songs this morning about being children of God. Because the only answer to the idol of approval is relishing and taking joy in the fact that we are God's children. And, and, and this is where theology matters. Keep in mind, that means God chose you. And we weren't last. God chose us. That means something. He died for us. He brought us into his family. He gave us his name. Nothing held back. Oh, village, nothing will ever give you more approval than that. The God of the universe calls you his son, his daughter. Romans 8, 15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which fear is one of those emotions that comes with this one. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, we cry, Abba, Father. And that's an endearing term that implies acceptance. It implies oneness. It implies relationship. God saved you to have relationship with him. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Is there any acceptance greater? No. Not your spouse. Not boyfriend, girlfriend. Not your teacher. Not your boss. The deepest approval we have is our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. I am loved by God. I am accepted by God. I am chosen by God. And I know this can feel like a self-help thing real quickly. Well, if I just say these things, I'm doing better. But these are true. That's the difference. These are biblical truth that we must keep forefront because Satan is going to attack every one of those. He's going to attack every one of those and say, no, you need deeper security and meaning in something else. God can't provide that. And so we repent. We identify this idol. We repent of it. And we say, God, help me. Help me know that you approve, that you've accepted me. And when we get to that point, then we, we think of a verse like Revelation 3.20, which incidentally is for believers, not for unbelievers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And in our Western world, we're like, okay, great. You have a meal together. Woohoo, Taco Bell. I wonder if God brings takeout. I don't know. This means so much more when we understand the hospitality and the mindset that when you eat with somebody, you're accepting them, you're bringing them into your family. It means something. And for God to say, I'm going to come in, I'm going to eat with you, that means I fully accept you. No condemnation, no rejection. 
you are fully loved. And then we can get to a point where someone's negative comments don't unravel us. Because I know Jesus loves me regardless. We, we can get to a point where I don't, I'm not tempted to compromise my purity because my value comes from God, not my boyfriend or girlfriend. This lets me stand firm on the values of Christ in a world that mocks Christian values and rejects people that have Christian values because I don't care. I don't need that. Word it that way. I don't need that. I know that God has accepted me and Christ is all I need. I can ask, how would this glorify God rather than what would they think? And so think about this one this week. What areas has the idol of approval crept in and started to put its fingers around? Repent of those, give those to God, confess those to God, and then realize that God has brought us to his table. He has brought us into communion with him, and nothing can change that. Our prayer is, Lord, let every decision I make be to further your kingdom. Not me. Even when others might not love me, help me to know that you loved me first and best. Help me to stand for your teaching. Help me to stand for truth, even if it means losing friendships. No matter what, help me to live for your approval and relish your approval rather than that of others. I'd like worship team to come up and we want to sing a final song that just invites us to come to God, come to the altar, into that communion with God, and to remember that through his salvation, he has made us sons and daughters of the king, and nothing can take that away. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for inviting us to come to your altar, for making us sons and daughters of the king, for fully accepting us, not as second-class citizens of your family, but as full sons and daughters, Lord. Help us to rest in that. Help us to relish that this week as your church and to start to think of how that applies to our lives this week and how that frees us up to share like we just sang to tell others of the good news. Lord, I pray for our church that as we go through this series, your Holy Spirit would do the hard work of rooting some of these out maybe exposing things we're not even aware of. And then, Lord, help us to respond by repenting and giving those to you so we can be vessels ready to serve you, wholeheartedly loving you. Lord, I pray you would continue to do a work at Village as we seek to give you our hearts completely. In your name, amen.